Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Understanding the Law. I'm your host, Peter Lamont. I'm a personal and uh, personal law and business attorney and the principal of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont. And the firm has offices in New York, New Jersey, Colorado, Puerto Rico, and affiliated offices throughout the country. Understanding the Law is a weekly radio broadcast where we discuss a variety of legal topics that affect our listeners. Please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. Today's topic is back to school, protecting your children this school year. And today we're going to discuss uh, negligence and the duty of care owed by school personnel. And then we're going to move into bullying and related topics over the next few episodes. If you want to discuss this topic or if you have a question about something that we uh, we bring up or if you want to raise your own topic, please call into our switchboards. The number is 347-855-8831. Now, for most of us in the Northeast, we're just getting through the first week of school. Uh, our friends in the South uh, and elsewhere in the country, they're well into their first three weeks of school. And there's really no hiding the fact that life as a student, uh, particularly in grade and middle school, has changed drastically over, let's say, the past 30 years. And this is due in part to advancing technologies um, and the fact that our children seem to be exposed to a much greater amount of stimulus than they were 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're just street smart compared to you know, those, those grade school students of 30 years ago. Now, separately, the majority of teachers, both public and private school, are dedicated, devoted educators. Um, My sister is a teacher, and and so I I respect teachers. I think that, in general, they do a great, great job. But there are, uh, there's a significant portion of teachers, unfortunately, some of the younger teachers, who view their position as educator simply as a job. They're doing it for a paycheck. Uh, for example, we recently had a client whose child's second grade teacher would spend a good deal of her day texting and updating her Facebook page while her students were doing work. So this carries us over into the first topic uh, that we're going to discuss, which is the duty of the teacher or the school to protect your child while he or she is in their care. Essentially, when you send your children off to school at the beginning of the day, what happens to them is completely out of your control. You're simply trusting that uh, the educators and administrators are going to look after your children and protect them from harm. Now, when I'm speaking about harm, I'm not speaking uh, necessarily about 
abuse or intentional actions of a teacher. Instead, what I'm referring to is, is just simply the general safety of your children. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, we recently were involved in a case where a student in middle school was injured during gym class. And here's what happened, so you can kind of see how this whole thing played out. Now, this, the student's class, um, the gym class, happened to be the first period of the day. And on that particular day, there was a fair amount of uh, dew and condensation on the grass outside. And the gym teacher had plans of a kickball game uh, for that that gym class. So she took the class outside, and the class was uh, eighth grade students. And when they got outside to the field, one of the students remarked at how wet the grass was. Um, and, you know, she basically said that it's just due, there's no room to play kickball inside. So if you want to play the game, which the kids were, you know, looking forward to, we have to do it here. So she set up the field and she laid out um, those rubber bases, not the type that you dig into the ground, but uh, rather the ones that are just uh, laid and placed on top of the grass. And halfway into the class, one student um, you know, got up to, uh, to, to bat, I guess, and uh, as the ball was rolled to him, he kicked it, and it went you know, well over everyone's head. He ran and rounded first base, and as he stepped on the base, uh, the base slipped, his foot obviously went out from underneath him. He went way up into the air and crashed down onto the grass, um, onto his left wrist and arm. So the teacher immediately ran over to the, the student, told him not to move. She had a cell phone with her. She called the school nurse. Uh, the nurse immediately called an ambulance. And the student was taken directly to the hospital. Now what happened is that the student ended up with a complex compound wrist and forearm fracture, uh, but even more devastating, he had suffered nerve damage, and even after multiple surgeries, he could not open his uh, two of his fingers on his left hand um, and, and extend them the way that, that we normally do. They had a, a clawing effect, uh, the last two fingers. And what's you know, even more sad is that this has uh, a kid that was a musician. He played the guitar. He had been taking lessons since he was somewhere around three, three and a half years old, and it was really his passion, and he planned on um, and doing it as he moved into high school and, and whatnot, and not necessarily making a career of it, but it was a, a wonderful hobby for him. And because of the injury, he could no longer play the guitar um, or many other musical instruments. So aside from that, he had the physical deformity. And here you're talking about an eighth grade student who's now permanently deformed for the rest of their life. And while he has managed to, to thrive and it's not an issue uh, for him, it's something that you can never get rid of. So this, this mother of the student, she happened to be a single mom and she had a limited medical insurance policy. And so after the accident, he went to the hospital and required the first surgeries. She was getting billed uh, a tremendous amount of money and didn't know how she was going to pay it because the insurance had been exhausted. So she filed a lawsuit against the school, alleging 
that uh, the school district and the teachers were negligent and primarily alleged negligent supervision as to the gym teacher. Now, without getting into the, the details of the case, after the case was uh, was presented, went to trial, uh, before the jury issued their verdict, uh, there was a conference and the judge facilitated a settlement between the school district and um, the student and his mother. Now, what's important to take away from this case is the fact that in any jurisdiction or state, school personnel are required, they owe a duty of care to exercise reasonable care for the safety of the students entrusted to them. This duty of care extends not just during the day while they're in school, but to supervisory care at school-sponsored activities or events such as a Friday night football game. And now what does that all mean? What does that mean to you? Essentially, it means that school personnel owe a duty of care to your child. And the duty of care or the standard is essentially the degree of care that a person of ordinary prudence is charged with in comparable duties. So to make that more understandable, it is a duty of care that a gym teacher under the same set of circumstances would have exercised. So in this, this case that we're discussing, when uh, the negligence argument was presented at trial, what was essentially being argued is that a reasonable gym teacher would have observed the condition of the field, would have uh, seen that it was wet, would have listened to one of the other students who had commented about how wet the field was, and perhaps would have made the decision that, I know you guys want to play kickball, but today is not the day to do it. The field is too wet, and I'm afraid someone's going to get hurt. So in negligence cases, negligence supervision cases, the standard is what would a reasonable person under the same set of circumstances have done? And if uh, a jury determines that your actions were not reasonable, then uh, you, know, you, you could be charged with negligence. Now, negligence can be treat, uh, created, I should say, not only by the commission of an act. So, for example, deciding to move forward with this kickball game on a wet field, um, but also by the failure to act. So in the event that the case we're discussing, let's say that there was an assistant gym teacher or, or coach who was also at the field at that time, and he or she also observed the condition of the field and could have suggested to the coach, this is not a good idea, maybe we should cancel this, but did nothing Theoretically, there could be a negligence argument made about that assistant for her, his or her failure to act. Now, why is there this duty of care imposed upon school personnel and teachers? Uh, the theory of, of charging school personnel with this duty of care, it stems from the relationship between the child and the school authorities. Um, school is voluntary. And it's something that, you know, students and parents are compelled by law to do. 
So in other words, a child must attend school, and that child is subject to the school's rules and discipline. And as a result, the school authorities are then obligated to take all reasonable precautions for the student's safety and well-being. Uh, now, in this case, the teacher just failed to act in a reasonable and prudent manner. And had she thought twice and the kids had gone inside, and you know, obviously the student wouldn't have been injured, there would have been no lawsuit, no, no damage, no impact on this child's life uh, that, that he's now living with for the rest of his life. So uh, that is how a teacher has to act under particular set of circumstances. They have to, they have to exercise this duty of care. And it, it stems well, or not stems, but flows well beyond um, a gym teacher or a coach on the field. It really can um, be anyone, a nurse, in the school, a principal, uh, anybody in the administration. So wh why is this important to you? Why am I, I sharing this with you? Well, first of all, just in general, it's very important to know your rights concerning your children, um, especially when they're in the care of the school. School boards have lawyers to protect them, and most schools have either private counsel or they're defended by insurance company attorneys. Um, I any of you who have dealt with school boards, they might be great people on the board, but once you start challenging a school board, um, you know, their backs go up and it becomes, becomes difficult. So school boards, they know their rights and so do the schools and so do the teachers. They've got uh, a union or they've got lawyers and, and they have a level of protection. Unfortunately, that's not true for most parents or students. As a parent, you simply send your, your kid to school and you trust that everything is going to be all right. And it's not until something tragic happens that you then explore your rights under the law. And at that point, it's kind of, it's kind of too late. Um, knowledge of the law is a very powerful thing because instead of just going in and complaining to an administrator about something that's going on or something that you view as um, the potential for negligence, without the facts, without being able to articulate what the duty of the teacher is, oftentimes you can be kind of dismissed and, and the administration can be dismissive of, of your complaints and basically say, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, that sort of thing. Um, and that's something that by understanding this duty of care that these teachers have, uh, it gives you a little bit of ammunition when you go in and, and speak with an administrator. Uh, secondly, as in the case of the mother of the kickball player, she did not have adequate insurance to pay for the multiple surgeries that her son required. And you know, prior to filing the lawsuit, she had no idea what she was going to do. She was sitting on $42,000 worth of medical bills. And, you know, Doctors have to get paid. That's what they do. And, and you know, people may say doctors get paid too much or too little. But the fact is, is that the child had multiple surgeries, services were performed, and the doctors were, were owed this money. And she had no means of paying it. Um, 
fortunately, the lawsuit being successful allowed her to pay the bills. You know, obviously, the payment of the bills came out of the settlement amount, and uh, financially, she's okay. But this is important for parents to understand that uh, you do have rights and it might be necessary for you to um, you know, take some, uh, some steps to try to understand what exactly your rights are because I'll give you another example. Just assume for a minute that uh, your child is out on the playground and he's pushed by little Johnny and there's playground monitors and you don't have adequate insurance. Now, the teacher didn't do anything actively wrong. She isn't the one who said to the little Johnny, go push you know, your child and didn't decide to have him play in an unsafe playground. But just in the course of, of play, little Johnny pushed your, your son. Now, I'm not suggesting that every time something happens at school that you retain an attorney and file a lawsuit, not at all. But in the event that the teacher who was on the playground when your son was pushed wasn't paying attention, wasn't doing his or her job properly, then in theory, you could make out an argument for a negligence claim and give yourself an option for paying medical bills. So it, it's something that you need to think about. Um, now, as I said, it's very important to learn your rights because it's going to help you keep your children safe. Now, one of the things that we see all the time, and it's a very unfortunate thing, is, is that parents, they don't think of a school issue as necessarily something that they'd want to hire or speak to a lawyer about, and they try to deal with the administration um, concerning issues of negligence on their own. And, and they find that they're quickly shut down by the administration. And when they go to the school board meetings, they, they are met with uh, disdain and no action is taken. So I recommend that if you have an incident at school or if you believe that there are factors um, at play that could present themselves uh, as negligence or, or could endanger your children, I suggest that you speak to an attorney. Um, talk to an attorney. See if you have any rights that, that you can explore. Um, I, I think that most attorneys who are taking cases involving school, board, or teacher negligence will offer a free consultation. So it's a good idea to give them a call and to explain your set of circumstances to them and, and see what they say. Um, I want to give you another example to illustrate uh, this duty of care and, um, and negligence issues. Uh, in another case that we were involved in, uh, again, it involved a, a gym teacher, and hate to pick on the gym teachers, but it just so happens that a lot of liability arises out of, out of gym class, uh, primarily because it's, it's physical, uh, not because gym teachers are careless or, or anything like that. Uh, but in this case, this gym teacher had set up a like a cross-training obstacle course in the gym. And he was actually a well-liked gym teacher. And he had purchased some of these um, 
speed tools. So it was essentially a bungee cord that the student uh, clips to a belt around his waist, and the coach has a handle uh, that's connected to the bungee cord. And so the coach holds the handle, and the student runs in the opposite direction of the coach and puts tension on the bungee cord. And the idea behind it is that it'll build up uh, endurance, stamina, and strength, and explosive power. So this this happened to be in a high school. It was a freshman class. And um, the the gym teacher was well-versed in the equipment. He knew how to use it. He, in fact, purchased it on his own. And he had set up this this course. And there were roughly 25 to 27 students in the class. So he obviously couldn't be at all these stations at one time. And he would walk around the gym and check on all the different stations. There was a push-up station. There was a a pull-up station. And so what he did was he had said to the students, when you get to the bungee cord exercise, I want you to partner up with a student. One guy or girl holds the handle. The other one runs. This isn't a toy. Don't fool around. And he walked to the other side of the gym. So two friends who were next in line for the the bungee cord um, strapped it on, got ready to run. The other kid was holding the handle. And uh, the kid holding the handle saw how hard his friend was, was running against the resistance of the band and thought it would be quite entertaining to see if he could fly by letting the handle go. So as his friend was was running as fast as he could, this kid let the handle go. And the kid expected his friend to just fly forward, fall forward onto his face. But what he didn't know is that because of the tension on the bungee cord, when he let the handle go, it shot into the back of the runner's leg like a bullet. And it caused significant um, damage to the runner's leg. Uh, Scarring required multiple surgeries. So uh, the parents of the runner, they sue the student who let the bungee cord go, believe it or not, and they also sued the school board. And ultimately, the child who, or the kid who let the uh, bungee cord handle go was dismissed from the case. They had no money, uh, but they were going after their homeowner's insurance policy. But left on the hook was the school. And the argument that was made out uh, concerning negligence of the gym teacher was that he should not have left the students alone with what could be considered a dangerous device. And in fact, he even explained to the students, this is not a toy. Don't fool around with this. And, um, you know, when presented to the jury, the argument essentially was when you tell a kid, a freshman in high school, I mean, there's there's still kids. When you tell a kid, don't do this, it's dangerous or, or, you know, don't let the handle go. There's always going to be somebody that says, well, I bet it would be fun if I did. So the jury um, agreed with the argument made by the, the plaintiff and essentially awarded a significant amount of money to them um, for a scarring injury. Um, it, it's hard to to explain the value in the short period of time we have left 
how attorneys and juries value cases. But suffice it to say that a scar on the leg of a, a boy or a man actually has a lower value than it would if it was on a girl or a woman. Uh, so everyone was surprised that the jury awarded the plaintiff as much money as they did, um, but it was really a result of their uh, kind of disgust over the negligence of, of the gym teacher. So these are the things that you need to be aware of concerning the supervision of your children. Uh, and you need to talk to your kids and you need to ask them what's going on in school, uh, what sort of, of things go on. And there are a lot of kids that, that just want to come home from school and they don't want to tell their parents anything. But it really is in your best interest to get to know the teachers, get to know from your, your children what's going on. And if they tell you a story about something that you don't think is right, for example, like the use of the bungee cord handle, let's say that nothing had happened. There was no accident. Uh, but your, your son or daughter came home from school and said, hey, mom, this is what we're doing. You might hear that story and say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound all that safe. Um, and be able to do something about that. When I was in high school, I was I was uh, a javelin thrower on the track team, and uh, our coach, who was actually training for the Olympics, he was tying kids, sprinters, to the back of his moped and putting the moped on the track and then driving around. Uh, the idea was that he would increase the reflexes of, of the sprinter. And, you know, kid fell on his face and was dragged 100 yards and and at that point, uh, when I was in school, you know, it was kind of not something you'd go and sue about, but it was a different time. And I think that we as parents now have to be aware of uh, the changes that, that are going on around us and take the appropriate action. The schools and the school boards and the teachers, they're protecting themselves. And so it's your right and obligation to make sure that you and your students are, are your, your children are protected as well. Uh, well, we're running out of time, so we're not going to be able to get into our next topic. Uh, we're going to have to save that for next time, and it's going to be about bullying. And uh, we're going to be uh, talking about some specific instances and, and cases that have occurred, um, what bullying is, what it can do to the psyche and self-esteem of your children. And we're fortunate to have with us um, a guest, Lisa Schenke. Uh, and she's the author of Without Tim, The Son's Fall to Suicide, A Mother's Rise from Grief. And she herself suffered a terrible tragedy with the loss of her son. And she has now uh, dedicated her life, in a sense, to helping parents and, and kids understand um, how Things like self-esteem and bullying and drugs and alcohol can have such an adverse effect on a child's psyche and um, you know, ultimately lead them to, to harm themselves. So we're very fortunate to have Lisa with us next week. Um, she'll take calls and, and answer questions as they come in. So uh, that should be a very interesting show. We're also going to talk about some recent cases involving bullying and uh, you know the distinction between what we consider bullying today and it was just you know teasing 30 40 years ago um, 
And then the next topic after that is going to be about technology and how technology can create liability both for you as a parent um, and for your children. Uh, that's going to cover things like sexting and uh, bullying through through technology. Uh, and we're going to talk about some specific instances where parents were sued because of the actions of their children um, when using the parent's home computer and uh, and how devastating that sort of, of lawsuit uh, and criminal charges can be. So we're going to talk about that as well. But that's all the time we have for today. I would like to uh, thank you for listening to the program. I hope that you found it informative. And uh, I encourage you to tune in next week. Um, if, in the meantime, you have any questions about this topic or any other legal matter concerning uh, your children or your life or, or something that, that you need some assistance with, I encourage you to pick up the phone and give us a call. Uh, the number is 973-949-3770. Or if you would prefer to email, you can do so at info, I-N-F-O, at Peter Lamont, that's P-E-T-E-R-L-A-M-O-N-T, ESQ.com. And we'll um, you know, respond to your, your calls and emails. We generally answer legal questions on a daily basis, and, and so we would be very happy to uh, to answer yours. So, again, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I want you to remember that there's power in understanding the law, and um, you know we hope to uh, have you join us next week. Until then, I'm Peter Lamont. Thank you again.